If you want us, you can start turning if you want to John chapter 14. We are working our way through our um, series called I Am, based on Jesus' seven I Am statements, his declarations in the book of John, the fourth book of the New Testament, the fourth biography of Jesus, written by his closest friend, Johannes John. And um, in there, the implications of the words I Am, just those two words alone, to that audience, maybe not to us until we, until we understand, put ourselves in their shoes, to that audience, for Jesus to even say, I am, is I am God. I am the eternal divine good one. <coughs> so that was shocking enough of his own, but then Jesus broke it down into seven further declarations later on during his ministry. I am the door, I am the good shepherd, and so on, which for us colors in our understanding of who God is. This didn't even just say, I am God. He then goes on to tell us who he is and what he's like as well, the character, the heart of God. And today we're going to look at a statement. We're jumping ahead only because of who's available for um, preaching on which date. So there are others in between which we'll come back to next week. I think David's preaching, I am the door, next week. So we're just skipping ahead just for the sake of convenience to I am the way, the truth, and the life. Quite a famous expression to many of us, but how often do we actually get under the bonnet of it and really understand quite what's going on? So that's the one we're going to look at. Before we do, we're going to read from John 14 in a few minutes. But before we do... There's a little story. There's a true story from 1938. There was a radio broadcast, 1938, in America, where there was an orchestral tango event, a live tango orchestra doing their thing in New York. And while listeners were listening to this orchestral um, live performance, a reporter had to interrupt with breaking news. He was saying there, was, there were explosions in the atmosphere and objects were plunging to the earth, and within minutes, they kept trying to go back to the music and say, if we hear any more, we'll let you know, but they had to keep breaking it in because so much was happening so quickly. Within minutes, they were interviewing scientists live about what was going on, this strange, scary phenomena. There were reports of flashes in the sky and so on. It didn't take long for more details to come through of crash sites, of horrific scenes, and even, sadly, of curious observers, rubberneckers going to have a look, being set alight. Did not, people were terrified, didn't know what was going on. It, it was a developing global crisis that was escalating very quickly within minutes as people listened to this program. The panic spread, the terror was infectious, listeners were jamming the radio station's um, switchboard with desperate phone calls, like, what is going on, what do we need to do? And eventually a number of listeners were fleeing their homes, packing their suitcases, grabbing their shotguns, and even a few contemplated suicide because of what was happening. In truth... It was a theatrical broadcast of War of the Worlds, the famous UFO uh, invasion story by H.G. Wells, isn't it? Uh, it was, uh, had Orson Wells at the helm telling the story with a bunch of actors. It was a pretend orchestral tango event and pretend reporters and scientists. The thing was, though, even though the size of the ensuing panic was not quite as great as initially reported afterwards, nevertheless, thousands of people believed it to be true. People believed a fabricated idea. Today, we have thousands of voices and messages swirling around us all the time. Many of them, naturally, conflict with each other. Every 60 seconds, just in one minute alone, every 60 seconds, 500 hours are uploaded onto YouTube. Every 60 seconds, there are 3 million Facebook posts. Every 60 seconds, there are 1,500 articles published on WordPress 
alone. There are so many messages and stories being flung our way and truths allegedly being flung our way, not all of them agreeing with each other. How can we know what is right? Well, nearly 2,000 years ago, a penniless rabbi from a behind-the-times country bumpkin town in the north of Israel said to his friends, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And that announcement has become the basis for billions of lives literally being changed ever since. Why? Well, that's what we're going to look into. Let's read just the first seven verses of John chapter 14. Let's see what Jesus says, and we'll get under the surface with it, shall we? This is Jesus speaking, these very first words, talking to his friends, and he says, Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also, <coughs> excuse me, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and I will take you to myself, that where I am you may be also. And you know the way to where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you, we, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and you have seen him. I am the way, the truth and the life. This is a bold statement, isn't it? A very bold statement. It's one that divides people. It's not one you can shrug off easily, although many, many people try to do. You can't do that. It's categorical. It's defining. And it is essential to the Christian faith. So I just want to, all I want to do is just look at each of these three words that Jesus said. I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. Before pulling them back together and just understanding why Jesus has said this and why it's so essential for us to know. First of all, I am the way. I'm sure you've heard the phrase, all paths lead to God. Have you come across that before? Maybe you've said it yourself in the past, I don't know. It's a common utterance by many people. That regardless of what religious um, system you buy into, or even if you reject religion per se, the idea is that your journey will still get you to the same place regardless, some utopia, some happily, happy ever after. But to be honest, that's like saying you've been given a lump of money and saying that whatever you do with it, whether you stick it under the mattress, if you bury it in the ground, put it in an ISA, invest it in stocks, pour it into a business, whatever you do to it, you get the same best result every time. Now, I don't know about you, but clearly that doesn't work, does it? That doesn't make a lot of sense. So how, I've got to ask, in any sensible world, can all paths lead to God? How can that possibly mean anything? Think about it. Faith systems, there are many faith systems, uh, the many of them that point to a happily ever after. Buddhism is about escaping the cycle of um, suffering and rebirth. It goes into more suffering and then rebirth and more suffering and rebirth. That's the idea of Buddhism. Um, you escape that cycle and achieve nirvana by um, good works, by having a good mind and a good heart and kindness and good intent as well as good behavior. It's all earned and you break the cycle of suffering and rebirth and achieve nirvana, achieve your happily ever after. That's Buddhism. Hinduism is an interesting one. Hinduism's concept of God actually depends on the individual. There are, there are a ridiculous amount of different gods and they all con contradict each other and they often fight and stuff like that. But 
is also, you can even, atheism, monotheism, one God, atheism, no God, polytheism, many gods, can all sit quite happily within the Hindu world. But regardless, salvation is earned by your place in society. Salvation is earned by ritual, by sacrifice. Again, salvation is earned regardless of which type of Hinduism you believe. It's still a similar thing. Islam, Islam says Allah, God, is unknowable. Islam says you can't actually know God. But salvation, what salvation is available to you, is earned by worshipping him anyway and maintaining repentance for your sins. That earning and keeping an upkeep of earning, keeping red out of your ledger. Keeping it in the black all the time. Even modern secular spirituality. You may have friends who aren't religious, don't adhere to a particular faith, but they're spiritual. And most people, I think, actual outright atheists, I don't believe there is a God, are actually quite rare. Most people are, I just don't know. But, I believe, but they adhere to some form of spirituality, hoping for a happily ever after, hoping to be with their loved ones one day that they've lost, and so on and so forth. Even modern secular spirituality is about being a nice person, being kind. And I hope I'll be good enough and I'm just trying not to think about the alternatives. I hope I'll be happily ever after. Christianity, however, was birthed in Jesus who declared himself to be God, which was backed up with many miracles and his own resurrection later on. And he said he was the only way. He said he's the only way, and this proved later on to be a way that has been earned only by him on the cross, standing in our place, not us. Christianity is utterly, utterly unique. Christianity is fascinating. It's both exclusive, utterly exclusive, but it's also utterly inclusive. It's exclusive in as much as with Jesus himself making it very clear that following him is incompatible with any other belief or any other way of living. I am the way. There is no other, there's others to choose from, but there's no other that will get you where you want. There's no other that will set you free. There's no other which will free you from judgment. It's only me. It's exclusive. But it is also inclusive in as much as all are invited. It doesn't matter what class you're in, how you're born, who your parents were, what your bloodline, your background is, your skin colour, your orientation, your class, your IQ, regardless, all are invited Everybody is welcome to accept him as king and to follow him. It's exclusive, the way, inclusive, available for everyone. The invite, the invite, invitation is sent to everyone, but there's one address for RSVP. But what's interesting, when you actually ask that question, do all paths lead to God? Actually, I've got to say, all paths do lead to God. Because regardless of the route you take, one day you will stand before your maker. But only one way allows you to stand clean and forgiven and free from judgment forever. And that's Jesus. I am the way. Jesus saying he is the way is such a shocking declaration alone. And yet we've got the other two as well. I am the truth and I am the life. Let's look at those. I am the truth. This is a massively relevant one for our current climate. I think um, we've got fake news is increasingly rife in our world, either accusations of fake news or actually discover it to be fake news. That happens quite a lot, doesn't it? It's a common phrase these days. And without, I've got to be honest, without buying into conspiracy theories, but the fact remains that when you go digging, our media outlets, they headline 
what sells more copies or does earn more clicks quite often. There are some you know, media outlets with some integrity, but there are others that are not. Just because it's a headline doesn't mean it's what you should be hearing. There's other stuff we don't hear about that we should be knowing about. You know, th stuff that happens in Africa is often buried in terms of what, what happened in Milton Keynes the other day. And it just it goes topsy-turvy. Sometimes there's agendas, sometimes it's ignorance. Well, someone in my very close family, I won't say who it is, someone in my very close family um, has a habit of regularly sharing things on Facebook that are, on the face of it, pretty scary and pretty convincing. What bottled water will do to you, or um, concerns about your internet privacy and stuff like that. Um, with just a little bit of fact-checking, and it doesn't take me long to do it, with a little bit of fact-checking, it turns out, nine times out of ten, to be a load of old cobblers. Even Christians do this with reports of miracles on the internet. I saw one not that long ago, video of this spout of water from heaven that looked amazing on video. A spout of water from heaven pouring down. It was about eight feet wide, literally coming down from heaven. The videos, to look at it, it's quite convincing. People are like, this is just literally from heaven. Christians were passing it around on Facebook going, look, if you don't believe in miracles, surely this will convince you. There is a God. Look at it. There's no scientific explanation for this. It's amazing. We've delved into the digital background of it. It hasn't been manipulated. It's not special effects. This is real. It didn't take me long to discover, actually, it was a broken water hydrant. And just the angle, <laughs> just the angle made it look like that. We need to be a bit more discerning, don't we? Miracles do happen, and, but flipping heck. As humans, the thing is, as humans, we are hardwired for a truth that gives us a firm fitting. We desire truth. We want to know where we stand, don't we? Yeah? But there is also, and I understand it, there is a fear of inflexible truth, particularly today, that, because it sounds intolerant and it sounds arrogant. How can you say that that is true? And what about that person over there? Because that is true as implications for their life or for my life. How can you say that? But that desire for flexible truth, all it ever does is leads to mess. All it ever does is leads to scaremongering. All it ever does is actually it feeds fear itself. Trouble is, it's mainly because we're not seeking after the right thing we've been built for. Actual truth with a capital T, that may not be what we like, may not be what we want, but is the reality our souls need that bedrock. The truth that is bigger than us, the truth that knows more than we do, the truth that can see behind the scenes around the corners that we can't. We need that bedrock to depend on. Without it, we are adrift in a sea of possibilities and not all of them are good for us. Even in 1996, 20-odd years ago, there was a huge court case that was on the world stage. One writer claimed that the Holocaust in the 40s was a lie. So another writer, she wrote a book, a counterclaim called Denying the Holocaust, to counterclaim what he was saying. He said, these are lies, and here's a whole book to prove it. He, in turn, sued her for libel, so he went to court. And it just escalated, it became famous, it was watched quite closely, it unfolded as a film about it now called Denial. It unfolded to a final conclusion that, yes, the Holocaust really did happen. But we are in a world, even 20 years ago, and we've moved on so much further down that line already, we're in a world where even the question of whether or not millions of people died in atrocities in the 40s is called into question, and it had to reach a very public, high-profile court case to prove so. What does that tell us about where we've got? 
tells us where we're at as a society, truth is often called into question. It's good to question in as much as, like Thomas, but Lord, what do you mean? I don't understand. I'm not too sure. I'm having trouble with this. That's okay. That kind of question's all right. It's the heart. There can also be a question like, I'm just going to find my way out of accepting this. We have to know the truth. And when we do, Jesus says, the truth will set us free when we know it. John chapter 8, same author, same friend of Jesus, says in John chapter 8, verse 31, Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, if you abide in my word, if you follow me, put my word into action, if you abide in me, you are truly my disciples. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. He says, follow me. And you will know the truth by following me. It will make itself more than evident. You'll get to know me. And that will be the right thing that you have been made to live for. Jesus is the plumb line against which we see clearly. Understand this. Jesus is the truth. Stepping into a life in Jesus, following him, abiding in his word, opens our eyes to what's happening on the world stage, opens our eyes to what's happening behind the scenes, opens our eyes to what's really going on in our own hearts, Opens our eyes to what's happening across our neighbourhoods. Walking with Jesus brings clarity and true freedom. Because the glorious thing is, Jesus is not a private truth. They're having fun in there, aren't they? (laughs) Jesus is not a private truth. Jesus is a very public one. He is able to be tested. He's able to be experienced. He's able to be observed. He's able to be enjoyed together. It's not just a private internal thing. No, it's just me and Jesus. It's never what he intended for us to experience him together. And that proves him even more. Jesus is historically, philosophically, experientially testable. There's a wonderful couple of verses at the beginning. John, again, the same author, around the same time in his old age, he was probably in his 90s, um, when he wrote this gospel, this biography of Jesus, he also wrote three letters to the church. And at the very first two verses of his first letter, 1 John, chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, Read it. He says exactly this. Woo! If you don't know who this is, I'll introduce her later. She's VIP for the day. Um, The first two verses of 1 John 1 say that. I'm going to read this from the message. It's a modern paraphrase. Just this language really helps us get it. This is what John says. From the very first day, we were there, taking it all in. We heard it with our own ears. We saw it with our own eyes. We verified it with our own hands. The word of life appeared right before our eyes. We saw it happen. And now we're telling you in most sober prose that what we witnessed was incredibly this. The infinite life of God himself took shape before us. Amen? The truth took on flesh and even now he can still be examined and tested together. Don't just rely on what someone else has told you. Walk it. Walk it. Test him out. Put his words into action. Learn to trust him. And that truth will truly set you free. I do believe this one of the three, truth, I think for obvious reasons, I think it's the key one of the three of our current climate in many ways. We need to be aware of that. We've got fake news. We've got spin, the media filtering and so on and so forth. We need to be careful. We need to discern. But the trouble is we, not just society, even we are increasingly distracted today, aren't we? Easily. These things, easily done. What's on the telly? What's streaming now? We're easily distracted. But to discern the truth takes more time than it does to listen to a lie. We need to give it in effort 
and intent. There's a famous quote that says, a lie can travel halfway around the world while the truth is still putting on its shoes. We just need to be very careful and be discerning. But even then, while truth is the key one for our current climate, I would also say that we could argue about objective truth until the cows come home. And even then it'd be contested that, did the cows really come home? <laughs> Were they even really cows? <laughs> objective truth is a good thing to talk about, but you won't convince someone into the kingdom with that at the end of the day. It's just part of the conversation. The answer to the truth being fully seen will be found in the other two. Seeing the direction of the way and recognising the life that explodes from within it, life for Jesus, seals the deal for who the truth actually is. It's about walking it. Let me put it this way. How do we, how do we know if someone loves us? Because if we just stick to the truth, the rational thought, the, t- the scientifics of it, how do I know this person loves me? Well, next time they're near me, I'm going I'm to take a blood sample, I'm going to test their blood chemicals and make sure they've got the good hormones flowing around their veins when they're near me, and then I know that they love me. Scientific fact, evidence. Out of our rubbish. Or maybe you've got a convenient MRI scanner in the kitchen. And when they come round, I want to know this person loves me, I'm going to pop them in the MRI scanner, and yes, the correct parts of the brain are glowing while I'm in their vicinity. They love me, she must love me. Of course, it's a load of our rubbish, it doesn't work like that. We can rationalise till the cows come home. But it's so much more than that. To know someone loves us means to observe the way the direction they walk in our relationship together and to see the life that they bring us. Together, we then know their love for us. We see the truth. And so even with Jesus, when we see the destination that Jesus as the way brings us and when we appreciate the life that comes from him, we can then know the truth, how much he loves us and that truth will set us free. So let's just look at life as we come to an end. Because even life itself, just that word, expresses something that is more than just existence. You know about the 15 constants in the universe, including uh, the, uh, the factor of gravity, there's the speed of light, it's a set, it's a set figure. Um, our strong nuclear forces, weak nuclear forces that keep all our atoms together, but of correct distance without drifting apart, but also not imploding. It's all a bit bonkers. If any one of those 15 constants in the universe, any one of those changed by the smallest, smallest, smallest fraction, one of those changed by the smallest, smallest fraction, the universe would cease to exist. That's how fragile the universe we live in is. But those 15 constants, all they do, they don't actually give us life, they merely enable us to exist, to move, to eat, to breathe, to talk. But when we see, when we see someone who lights up a room, when we see someone who just, you know the kind of people who, hopefully it's you, who elevates the dynamic in a relationship, we don't say they really know how to exist. We don't. We say they're full of life. It's different, isn't it? Life is so much more than simply being. It's Stepping in and experiencing all that's on offer, all that's available. The universe is a thing, it's impersonal. The universe is not a person, and so it can't enable anything more than the ability to exist. But a person could create and provide something more. And the biggest personality ever can enable life to its surround sound, technicolour, multi-dimensional fullness. Jesus, as the never-began, 
never-ending God, who is the very source of life. He can and he does exactly that. In him, and in him alone, we find life to its fullness. The very reason for living is available in him. And the glorious thing is, he doesn't leave salvation in the realm of being a mere route, like some plan on Google Maps. Go that way, I'll meet you there. He doesn't do that. He places salvation in the realm of abundant being itself. Life. Capital letters. The destination, eternity embraced in the very source of life itself. Father, Son and Holy Spirit. Eternal God. While that's not fully experienced yet, it nevertheless starts now. Doesn't it? And for many of us in this room, we've started experiencing that. But it needs to be accepted. We need to cast aside our self and ask him to take his rightful place on the throne. Any other path will lead to death because it's the opposite to life. It's as simple as that. The way leads to life with the Father. And that's the truth, Ruth. Jesus never said, I am a way, a truth, a life. That could have been quite a fundamental statement for us to enjoy and explore. If he'd said that, what a guy. I'm a way, a truth, a life. Not everyone can say that, can they? He didn't even say that. He said, I'm the way, the truth, the life. Pete, if you want to, when you're ready, have we lost him? Is he still downstairs? Someone can get him in a minute. Um, Jesus said, thank you, Bob. Jesus said he is the way. All paths do lead to God. But only one, Jesus, leads to eternity with God. One day, whatever path you take, you will stand before your maker. And Philippians 2 said that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. That is either in utter, glorious, awed celebration of the one you've given your life to. I'm here before my God. Or you'll be bowing your knees and it'll be too late, realising who he is. If you reject Jesus as king, whether that's willfully or ignorantly, he will one day simply say, of course, your majesty, your wish is my command. And you'll receive your heart's desire. You'll get the throne to yourself. But that does mean that the source of life, light and love will withdraw from your presence, giving you what you asked for. And all you're left, if the source of life, light and love goes, all you're left with is death, darkness and disconnection forever. He is the way. But also, he is the truth. Without the bedrock of knowing this truth, we are otherwise just, we're just adrift and we're lost. We get to know him. We can be in a hopeless sea of uncertainties or we can be with Jesus who is the plumb line against which life makes sense and in which we find true freedom. He is the way, he is the truth. But he is also the life. Without him, we are merely existing. With him, Everything springs into colour, everything changes, and eternity begins now. Don't you sit down. Thank you, Pete. We're going to sing. Let's marvel at this, Jesus. Let's marvel at this one we are allowed to know. Let's marvel at this one who didn't have to, but he chose to. There's nothing about us. He didn't adopt a child. Oh, I really want you because you've got blonde, blonde hair and blue eyes. No, just, I've just chosen to love you. Nothing we have done, we bring nothing to the table. Because he's chosen to, he allows us to know him. The way, the truth, 
the life. Let's marvel at him. But if that's not you, if this is all brand new to you, please don't just dismiss this. Please don't just tar him with the same brush as other supposed truths, in inverted commas. In an age where now truth is contested, instead, let's, you can test him. We can listen to Jesus' words, we can look at his life, we can consider his way, and we can ask, could this be the answer after all? And while we sing, for all of us, whether we know him, or whether you're yet to know him, let's celebrate and consider this one we're singing about. Amen? Would you like to stand? I know it's hot. We'll learn a bit more about the heating over the weeks. Bear with us. There's plenty of water over here if you need it. Let's celebrate our great God and see if he wants to speak to us. The mic will be available for any contributions. Shout them out nice and loudly and the microphone will come to you. This is right there. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but holy trust.